Our guest on the year that made me today is Gavin Yuan Gao, who recently was named winner of the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Poetry. Gavin was born and raised in Beijing, and at the age of 14, as a young, genderqueer Chinese person who didn't speak English, he moved to Brisbane and to an evangelical Christian high school. Surviving that incredibly daunting challenge could, you might think, have the makings of a year that made you. But Gavin's going to take us back to an earlier life-changing event, the loss of their beloved mother when Gavin was just five years old. As they write in the first collection of Gavin's poetry, At the Altar of Touch, this book is about you, inspired by you and for you. Thank you for watching over me. You are never absent from my life. You are behind every poem I write. Gavin Yuan Gao, welcome to The Year That Made Me. Thank you for inviting me. And congratulations on receiving the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Poetry. Uh, what does that accolade mean to you, Gavin? Um, it means everything and nothing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, sorry to say that. Um, yeah, I feel like it definitely gave me, a, it provided me a sense of financial security, but it hasn't made me feel like more artistically secure. Like mm. I'm still you know, developing as a, a writer as a poet yeah let's go back then to when you began writing because it was at a very early age when and how did you discover your love of writing gavin um i just always loved making up stories and just i started memorizing hundreds of poems from like very early age i was always drawn to the sounds and imagery of language and especially in poetry and i discovered my um I wouldn't say talent, but like attraction to like writing when I was probably in primary school. But I think my um, love of language started like way earlier than that. It was probably in the year of 1999, the year we're going to be talking about today. And after my mother died, I felt a tremendous sense of loss. I didn't, I, I prior to that point, I was a very energetic, very restless child but after that i became really introverted and just so um vulnerable mm. um and it was definitely a life altering experience for me and i think that was the moment when i realized there was another world beyond you know the literal the physical world there was the world of language of ideas and you know spirits that look behind this you know present world i guess and i wanted to speak into that absence of my mother the kind of void after you know that happened mm. because i wanted to you know hear her voice again so i kind of developed this like inner voice you know that i spoke to mm. and that's how i started writing I, I didn't write with a pen or like a piece of paper i started writing composing poems or like not poems but like snippets of language in my head and yeah i think that's how started. Mm. I think it's true to say that five years old is the earliest I've had anyone cite as the year that made me, but because of the loss of your mother, you can see why it is so fundamental. And I realise it must be very difficult, but could you tell us a little bit more about how you lost your mother and the impact that had on you and your family? Yeah, uh, sure. She, um, when we discovered her illness it was at the very late stage she suffered from like a really rapid process of deterioration and i unfortunately bore witness to that process which was very um terrifying for me because i didn't mm. have the language with the you know 
the knowledge to understand what was really happening. But that experience was so um, immediate, just her kind of shrinking. And it was such a traumatic experience. Um, mm. And I felt my whole life was shattered by that. Mm. And it took me a very long time to really develop the, the kind of language to really process that experience. And I think that foundational wound was probably the, the genesis of this collection of poetry. And even though the actual writing process was only like seven or eight years, I think I've spent my whole life just, you know, preparing for it. Mm, mm. On The Year That Made Me, we're speaking with Gavin Yuan Gao, whose first collection of poetry is called At the Altar of Touch. And Gavin was recently named the winner of the Prime Minister's Literary Award for poetry. Gavin, could you tell us how it was that you came to be in Australia and found yourself at an evangelical Christian high school? Oh, uh, um, it's a kind of a long story. Um, I didn't really gel with the education system in China because it was very much um, based on examinations and wrote memorization, which I wasn't very good at. I wasn't like an enormously successful student when I was in China. I, I knew I was going to be a writer from a very early age, but I didn't get the, the kind of resources or time that could have helped me, you know, blossom into the artist I really wanted to be. And we had some family friends in Australia and they recommended the school to us. So my dad thought it would be a really good idea to go to a really religious high school because he thought it would drill some discipline into me and <laughs> but that didn't turn out so well um i went from a very you know restricting environment to a different kind of really restricting environment like i thought you know i would have you know moved away from all the brainwashing in china but it was a different kind of brainwashing <laughs> that's no less harsh no less hardcore compared to what i experienced before how long did it take you to feel more comfortable and welcome in the new Australian environment? Because, uh, I mean, without uh, being able to speak English when you arrived and at such a vulnerable time uh, of your young life, it must have just been incredibly difficult. It was. Uh, I think I didn't arrive at a secure state until I became an adopt i think mm. yeah like my high school years were very um emotionally turbulent it wasn't until i went to university in the states and then you know moving away from that kind of really harsh religious environment that i really started to have a sense of you know a secure sense of self i was able to be myself without fearing mm. any kind of censorship or external influences and I moved back to Brisbane after university, and I think that was when I finally, you know, started, you know, coming into myself. I guess learning to speak English or any other language is a big enough challenge. Writing poetry in another language is even greater. When and how did you start to write poetry in English? It's a funny story because I started out as a, a fiction writer. I wrote short stories when I was in high school. There was this thing called um, Queensland Core Skill Exam 
which I think they abolished at some point <laughs> after I graduated. But it was just like you have to do a a composition at the end of the exam, the verbal exam. And I always always chose the format of short story because I wasn't very good at writing, um, you know, argumentative or academic essays. So I started out as, as a short story writer, but then I discovered all the short stories I had been writing at that time were really long poems. I was much more interested in language, in the way I could select words and arrange them in the order that I desired. And make them speak to others, you know, speak to them in a way that would evoke a kind of really potent emotional response from them. I think that it wasn't until I took a creative writing class, like an introductory creative writing class in university, that I really fell in love with poetry writing. I just took to poetry like a fish to the water. Hmm. Sorry about the cliche, but that's <laughs> that was really how I felt about it. It was such a liberating experience of you know just being able to express myself finally in this genre that i just felt so at home with mm. we're speaking with gavin yuan gao gavin when you did start writing poetry in english who did you show it to did you need someone to encourage you to do more or did you have that innate feeling that this was the right thing for you to be doing and that you were going to keep on doing it yeah um i I definitely had some really early encouragers, like teachers, professors. But it was, I mean, the, the whole writing process was such a, a lonely path. I think the ultimate form of encouragement comes from, you know, the kind of pleasure that I derived from the writing experience, the writing processes. Um, just you know, all the surprises that I came upon during the writing, I think they were the ultimate rewards for me that really just kept me going on this very long, arduous journey. You've written previously about societal attitudes to grieving, and you've written that contemporary grief culture is fixated on healing and finding closure with little regard for the emotionally vulnerable for whom moving on may be an act of violence. Yeah. Could you speak to us a little about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think just my experience of losing my mother, because I come from a family that really try to avoid, you know, emotional vulnerability or expressing grief and voicing your suffering was very much a taboo in my family. And my dad never talked about my mother's passing, you know, we never discussed it like openly. So yeah, and there was always the expectation, not just the societal expectation, but also the familial, the communal expectation of moving on from that grief, even though there's no moving on hmm. um there's no easy transcendence of that experience and i think poetry offers a kind of space to continue my relationship with my mother even though um in a strict literal sense that relationship had been cut off by her death but i think what poetry offers is this you know continuation this kind of uh continued deepening and development of that bond, even though the loved one is no longer physically here to have that relationship. Poetry, I think, serves as a kind of vessel to pour that longing into. And Gavin, you've told us that 1999 is the year you've chosen as the year that made you, and it's also the title of one of your poems. So 
I wonder if we could hear that now. 1999, was the year of Mulberry. The year the shadow grew ravenous and made a kingdom of your bones. The year I finally mastered the art of bike riding without training wheels. The year I was told the mulberry tree you and Dad had planted in front of our home wouldn't live past June. The year. The sea rose, and for three weeks, all the lamps in my dreams had coats matted with salt flakes. The year of short-lived winter, though it snowed for months in our hearts, as we gathered around your hospital bed. The year a rare asteroid choking its way across our galaxy was named after a golden age starlet, who was mortalized for her love. Of the spotlight, the year that stood like a wrought iron gate between the new millennium and the public cemetery, where Dad would have laid you to rest, where even in death you would be self-effacing, your head a tufted pillow for the milkweeds to sleep and dream on, the year the mulberry lived. Whose chainmail foods Dad and I spent whole afternoon collecting in a bamboo basket, but neither of us wanted to eat. The year I lost my treasured bike, but didn't tell the sea. The year I allowed myself to miss you, and only told the mulberry, as I stroked its dry bark. A loose wind knuckled its mottled leaves. Fragging my cheeks with the sun's warm coins, as if it was the only one who'd grasped what I didn't say, couldn't say, for loss was still the compass that lay beyond the border of my young tongue, and grieved with me. That was 1999, or the year of Mulberry, one of the poems in Gavin Ewan Gow's first anthology, At the Altar of Touch which won the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Poetry this year. Gavin, as I said earlier, you've, you've written that your mother is behind every poem, and that must make writing really uh, emotionally draining and, and, and heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. Uh, could you tell us what it was like to go through the creative process of uh, writing poems, but when it was so intimately focused on y- your relationship with your mother and your mother? I feel like the writing process, whenever I start a poem, I don't think consciously about the writing process. It just kind of flows. Um, I'm sorry, that sounds like another cliche, but um, when I think too consciously about you know, what I'm writing, the poetry, the language kind of falls apart um, in a way. And for me, poetry has always come from this desire, this urge to speak to respond to a voice. And I think that has always been the most powerful impetus or the driving force behind everything that I create. Kevin, have you spoken to your family about writing poetry about your mother in English? No, actually haven't because they were kind of, um, they were both fascinated and also perplexed by my you know, decision to write in English, but they, my, at least my father fully supported which is good, but I've never shown my poems to them before uh, because I'm kind of, I don't want to use the word cagey, but I'm very protective of my 
work even after it's published. There's always this fear of them, of my family misunderstanding mm. the place I came from when I wrote the poems. But yeah, I guess if someone wants to translate my poems into Chinese, I mean, I, I do translation myself. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> it's always, it makes me feel awkward translating my own poems. Mm. But maybe one day I'll feel more confident and more comfortable with doing that. Hopefully. Do you write poetry in Chinese as well? I I think I had a couple of starts writing poetry in Chinese before, but they weren't very successful. I felt like I don't know just because I received my formal education in mostly English speaking environments,、mm. and English has always been my main medium of expression, I guess.、Um, but also, Chinese is very You know, complicated, very difficult language to master, and I, even as a native speaker of Chinese, I feel like kind of quite out of my depth. You know, <laughs> writing writing in Chinese, writing poetry in Chinese, and also because of the censorship that I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm even allowed to speak about this. But, <laughs> yes,、um, I don't know. I feel more free when I write in English, and also because English is not my native language. I have more. You know, playful, more experimental relationship with the language. I've always had this idea that even if I mess up with the writing, like people are not going to judge me too harshly because I can always fall back on the excuse that I'm not a native speaker <laughs> of the language. I, you know, you can always、uh, forgive me for making mistakes in it. So I, I feel more bold and experimental. Yeah, I guess when I write in English. Yes, something tells me that if there is China's equivalent of the Prime Minister's Literary Prize for Poetry, it's a very different thing. In no way equivalent. Yeah, I'll probably never win that in a million years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Gavin. Thank you so much for joining us on the Year That Made Me. Thank you so much for having me. And we always finish the segment with a piece of music chosen by our guest. What piece of music have you chosen for us, and why, Gavin? Yeah,、um, I've chosen Joanna Newsom's、um, "Baby Birch" from her third album, "Half Man Only," and it's such a poignant song about you know loss, about about grief. I know, like, like a lot of Joanna Newsom fans have read that song as her、um, grappling with her experience of losing a child through abortion or miscarriage, but I didn't. Quite read it the same way. I read it as just her articulation of a grief as a result of losing a potential child, a child that she could have had in a relationship that unfortunately came to an end. And the song is—I mean, she always her songs always had like really unusual structures, but in particular, this song had no like obvious chorus. It's just like verse, verse, verse. And it builds up to this bridge, where it's, it's the the climax of the song, and that build up, it was so, just so powerful, especially because the rest of the song was so subdued and、um, restrained, and that build up just like, it was mind blowing, and also the the way she、um, articulates grief in that song, how she speaks to the the baby, the the lost baby. Instead of you know speaking to anyone else, that, it, it feels so visceral and immediate to me. And her lyrics are just—I mean, she's one of the greatest 
I think, one of the greatest, probably the greatest lyricists writing in, in the English language, at least for me. What a magnificent introduction. And I think our ears are particularly peeled now to hear Joanna Newsom's Baby Birch. Gavin Ewan Gao, thank you once again. Thank you. That's a taste of Joanna Newsom's song, Baby Birch. We couldn't quite manage all nine and a half minutes of it, but that was chosen by our guest on The Year That Made Me and the 2023 winner of the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Poetry, Gavin Ewan Gao. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.